I'm going to tell you a story as we go into week 14 uh, of our series on Joshua. This message is called Strangers at Mount Ebal. So let me tell you a very inspirational, transformational moment for me that happened maybe 30 years ago. My sister, who was serving in the military at the time, and she was stationed at Fort Jackson in South Carolina, in Columbia, South Carolina. She was having her firstborn son, Guy, and her secondborn daughter, Janelle, they were being baptized. And so they invited us to the baptism service, and it, it was at a small African Methodist Episcopalian church on the base at Fort Jackson. And the army chaplain, a black man, was the pastor. <clears throat> And the baptism service, the beginning, they did the baptism at the beginning, it was so precious. I mean, it was really cool, right? He did an amazing job. And everyone in the church was very kind and very welcoming. But can I just state the obvious? We were at an African Methodist Episcopalian church. <laughs> there were about 150, 160 people there, and we were, we were the only white people in the room. And then after the baptism part of the service, the worship service began. And let me just say, my white family stuck out. My mom, my dad, my sisters, they felt very awkward. Now, not me, because, you know, I have tremendous rhythm. And so I, I fit in just fine. And even though everyone there was loving and kind and welcoming, our family felt a little bit awkward, a little out of place. But then these two precious sisters in Christ were sitting behind us and they saw this awkward moment as they began their worship. It was different. And then they moved their seats next to us and they took us by the hand and smiled and made us feel at home. You understand? It was so cool. Like we didn't know the moves. Can I just say it that way? We did not know the moves. We did not know the words. We did not know what was coming next. But it was just powerful, humbling, inspirational worship experience as we sat there with strangers we did not know. They made us feel comfortable and we worshiped God in a new, fresh way together. Have you ever experienced that? A, a feeling like a stranger until someone came along and broke that awkward barrier for you? That kind of love and acceptance inspired by the gospel. It is very humbling and it is powerful and it can be a transformational experience. What we're talking about today, when strangers are made welcome. In Joshua chapter 8, verse 21 to 35. This is after uh, they have tricked the armies of Ai and Bethel. And here's the battle and what happens after. <clears throat> when Joshua... And Israel saw the ambush, uh, saw the ambush captured the city. The smoke of the city went up and they turned and struck, the men, struck down the men of Ai. The others came out from the city against them in the midst of Israel on either side. Israel struck them down. None survived or escaped. But the king of Ai, they took alive and brought him to Joshua. And after Israel killed all the inhabitants of Ai in the open. Does this sound like they're making strangers feel comfortable here? This sounds weird, right? Don't worry, we'll get to it. And after Israel killed all the inhabitants of Ai in the open wilderness by the edge of the sword, all Israel returned to Ai and struck it down with the edge of the sword. 
All who fell that day, both men and women, were 12,000, all the people of Ai. Joshua did not draw back his hand with which he stretched out the javelin until all the inhabitants of Ai were destroyed. Only the livestock and the spoil of that city Israel took as plunder according to the word of the Lord. So Joshua burned Ai and made it a heap of ruins, very welcoming, as it is to this day. He hanged the king of Ai on a tree until evening. At sunset, Joshua commanded his body be taken down from the tree and thrown into the entrance of the city gate and raised over it a great heap of stones which stands to this day. At that time, Joshua built an altar to the Lord, the God of Israel, on Mount Ebal, just as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the people of Israel in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of uncut stones on which no man has wielded an iron tool. They offered on it burnt offerings to the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. And there in the presence of the people of Israel, he wrote on the stones a copy of the law of Moses. And all Israel, sojourner as well as native born, with their elders and officers and their judges, stood on opposite sides of the ark before the Levitical priest who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord, half of them in front of Mount Gerizim and the other half in front of Mount Ebal just as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded at the first to bless the people of Israel. And after he read all the words from the book of the law, the blessings and the curse, there was not a word that Moses commanded that Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel, the women, the little ones, the sojourners who lived among them. So, historically speaking, what I want you to see here, yes, we're going to talk about this bloody battle because that is a little bit troubling, but I, I think I can help you understand what's going on. I want you to see what we see as a story of Israel going to church. There's this victory over Ai, right? And we set it up for you last week. The forces of Ai and Bethel who had joined are trapped. And after the ambush force sacks the city, Joshua gives the signal to spring the trap and Joshua's previously retreating force of about 5,000 turns toward the forces of Bethel and Ai, as does the ambush force of 25,000. There's 30,000 soldiers who destroy the enemy. First, the army of Israel kills every soldier trapped by the ambush. None survive or are taken prisoner. Then everyone left in the city is killed, men and women. Altogether, 12,000 people of Ai and Bethel are killed. And then Israel captures the king hangs them publicly as an expression of God's judgment. And after this, the city is burned to the ground, left in ruins as a permanent expression of what happens when you don't follow what God commands. Before sunset, the king is taken down and cast into the entrance of Ai, buried under rocks. And all of this happens in one day. The brutality here can be legitimately troubling to read. But our theological section today reveals why it doesn't need to be. We'll learn how God's judgment always works beautifully together alongside of his mercy and his grace, just like it will when on the day of the Lord that we learned about in Revelation. So after that, I want you to see what happens. We have worship at Ebal. Deuteronomy chapter 27, 2 through 6. This was a command given to Moses decades earlier. 
When you cross over the Jordan, set up large stones with plaster, write on them all the words of this law. You shall set up these stones on Mount Ebal. Build an altar of stones. You shall wield no iron tool on them, and you shall offer burnt offerings on it to the Lord your God. Look at this picture. You see this picture? This is, this is Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim, and what's happening is uh, half of the people are on the sides of Mount Gerizim, and the other half are on Mount Ebal, and right in the middle is this altar and this worship service. In Deuteronomy, God had commanded and mandated decades earlier that once Israel crossed into the promised land and got to this region, and that little town you see in the valley is called Shechem. It's mentioned several times in the scriptures. Once they got to that place, that means they have conquered Jericho and they have conquered Ai. Once they had entered the promised land, they were, they were to stop and organize a worship service right here between Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. They were supposed to read the law, including all of its blessings and the curse for those who do not follow the law. And after I was defeated, Joshua leads Israel to this very valley right near Mount Ebal. It's about three or four kilometers from the city of Ai that they have just defeated. And he builds the altar the way God commanded Moses it should be built decades earlier. It was to be built with hands using no tools. And after the priests do the burnt offerings, Joshua does what God commanded Moses. He writes the law on the stones. And many think it was the Ten Commandments. I mean, it'd be kind of hard to write the five books of the law, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy on rocks. That would take, well, time. <laughs> so after he wrote the Ten Commandments, he reads the entire Torah, all five books, both its blessings and its warnings for those who don't follow the law. It harkens back to when God wrote the original Ten Commandments on stone and Moses taught those to the people at the bottom of the mountain. And the priests carry the Ark of the Covenant before the people just as they're supposed to. And it's a powerful national worship service right here in the valley that acts like an, a natural amphitheater. <clears throat> but notice there's an additional powerful component to this worship service that is not mentioned in Deuteronomy. There are sojourners there. People living among Israel that came from the other nations and cities in that region. It's a lot of them. Sojourners, spiritual immigrants, if you will. So that's the history of what's going on here. So look at the theology. I want to talk about spiritual immigrants. Now, this is a scary choice that these sojourners are making. You understand, it was not an easy decision for anybody who lived in Canaan, or Egypt for that matter, for these ancient sojourners or spiritual immigrants to abandon their old lifestyle and join this nomadic nation of Israel. It's a bold statement that says, I no longer believe what my family believes. I no longer embrace their false gods and their immoral values. But see, ancient society was centered around family, extended family, and clans. You just never dreamed for any reason of leaving or abandoning your clan. I mean, uprooting your family to start a new life with strangers, especially ones that are nomadic and invading your land, that's unheard of. 
Abandoning your extended family was seen as foolish. It was the highest betrayal. It came with a dangerous financial and cultural price. Also, the people of Canaan hated Israel. And they most likely demonized Israel throughout the land as evil people. And if you're not Jewish, they're going to destroy and slaughter all outsiders. So you can imagine, right, if you're a sojourner and, and you're, you're hearing the, the word of God and you're seeing what God is doing in the nation of Israel and you feel like God is calling you, man, maybe I should abandon this immoral life and, and, and begin to live in God's covenant with his people because clearly God is real. But then you can think about all the price you have to pay and the danger. Is this the right decision? Is it worth all the potential ways it could go wrong? <laughs> what, if, what if leaving my clan is a big mistake. So considering all of these obstacles, the very fact that there are presence of all these sojourners, these spiritual immigrants, these strangers participating in this national worship service is actually quite a stunning development, isn't it? Why would there be so many spiritual immigrants there among God's people? Worshiping, listening to the Torah, both its blessings and its curse as it is read in community. Where did they come from? Well, theologically speaking, there is this command all throughout the Old Testament where Israel is supposed to be welcoming to strangers. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 34. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns, there's that word, sojourns with you as the native among you. And you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. The fact that Israel had welcomed these sojourners, these spiritual immigrants to worship at Mount Ebal is a significant, powerful moment that foreshadows our great commission. Can you see that? It reveals how even in war, even in a time when Israel is invading Canaan, the war is there but the door for strangers to become a part of God's covenant people was always wide open. Yes, God has given us the land and he's commanded us to destroy those who come against us, but you can join us anytime. And not only will you join us, we won't make you slaves, you'll be one of us. You'll be treated as a citizen. In fact, throughout the Torah, God commands 50 times that Israel was to accept the strangers that wanted to join Israel and follow God's law. Not to accept those who want to join Israel and change it into an immoral country, but those who wanted to follow God's law. And throughout the Old Testament, there are stories where non-Jewish people saw the power of God and saw the love he had for his people and joined in. For example, in Joshua 2, we remember the story of Rahab and her family. These were some of those sojourners at worship at Mount Ebal, who prior to the fall of Jericho, before the war, chose to worship God. And it came at great cost. Compare how, by the way, these sojourners like Rahab and all the rest of them that are Mount Ebal, compared to how they are embraced compared to how God dealt with the evil planted among them with Achan and his family. Remember that? Achan and his family, born Jews, and then Rahab and her family and all these other sojourners who are Gentiles who are treated as Jews. Do you see the dichotomy here? 
And then stories about all that God had done for his people from Abraham to Joseph to Egypt to Exodus to Jericho and to the battle at Ai. You know what all this was? It is the Old Testament gospel. It is what the nation of Israel preached. God is our God. He has made a promise to his people. He is with us. He will never leave us or forsake us. Didn't he say that to Joshua in chapter one? He also said it to us in the Great Commission. And as that Old Testament gospel went out to surrounding nations, these sojourners, these spiritual immigrants wanted to be a part of it. And Israel welcomed them. But only if they chose to follow God's law. These were people who saw God's mighty works and his faithfulness to Israel and his love for his people. And by faith, they chose to abandon their old lives and their false gods and join God's people. And when they did that, God's people did as they were commanded and made them full citizens of Israel. But I want you to see, even though they were strangers at first to Israel, they were not strangers to God. Genesis 15, 16. Remember this, I've shared this a few times. Your offspring will return here in four generations for the sin of the Canaanites is not yet complete. I shared with you how God was waiting to judge the people in Canaan to give them a chance to repent. Do you remember that? That's why Israel wandered for all those years. Not just because they were whiners, but God was also doing something else. These sojourners worshiping at Mount Ebal, you understand their presence here, this is important, Are you troubled by the brutality? Well, this answers it for you. These sojourners worshiping at Mount Ebal is key to reconciling the harsh judgment from God with the mercy of God because they're both playing out at the same time. Judgment on people in places like I and Jericho came after years of informed yet unrepentant rebellion against God. The judgment of the people of Jericho and I and others that we'll learn about as we go further into the book of Joshua didn't come without ample warning. It's a foreshadow of revelation when the scripture says they hear the truth, but they refuse even more to accept it. And what we see play out is it's spiritual judgment for any and all who refuse to join God's covenant with his people. This is the cursings part of the law that they were reading. But for those from other nations willing to repent, willing to join God's people, the door to this community was not closed. It was not hard to get into. It was wide open. And God patiently waited to judge Canaan. While he, you know what he was doing all those years that he was waiting to judge Canaan? He was lovingly, patiently calling his beloved chosen sojourners and spiritual immigrants out of those Gentile nations into his covenant family. He was patient with his judgment because he was willing that none of his chosen would perish even if they were not Jewish. For centuries, Between Abraham and Joshua, God called many sojourners who had ears to hear what the Spirit says to his people. They heard of God's love for his people and they trusted it. 
And he gave these strangers the gift of faith to hear and believe and make the tough choice to join Israel. And they became worshipers of the one true God. But for those who witnessed all of this and still foolishly refused to accept God's invitation, well, they had no excuses and they suffered the cursings. Okay, that's some deep theology there. Let's look at the personal section. What are we supposed to do with this? I've entitled this section, Worshiping with Strangers, and this was the sermon preview this week. Never doubt the gospel's power to transform strangers into a family united in worship. So back up to that picture of Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim in that valley there. When God planned this worship service decades earlier, Right? He, he said, Moses, you're not going to be alive, but later on, when Joshua enters, and you're, they're going to have a worship service, and this is how they're going to... He planned the worship. Megan, do you plan 40, 40, de- 40 years early? Do you? I mean, that's what God was doing. 40 years earlier, he's planning the worship service. This is what's going to happen. This is what it's going to look like. You're going to do this. Question, do you think he accidentally picked this place, or was it on purpose? Did you know, by the way, that the people of Israel before Joshua, Abraham... Every time Israel was in a place where they had failed and then had to succeed, it always happened right here at Shechem. Abraham was there twice after a failure and got reconciled with God. And here it is yet again. It's right up the road from Jericho between Bethel and Ai. It's about 18 miles from the Jordan River where they crossed. A region where everyone in that area heard or saw about how the hand of God parted the river, how God made the walls of Jericho fall, fall, what God did for the people of Israel at Ai. They all have seen, the whole region, these Gentile nations have all seen the power of God and God's love for Israel. And they knew that it was not a legend or a myth. It was real. There was no denying it. It's a region where many non-Jewish sojourners would see God's works, hear his truth, repent, and believe and worship God. So do you think God picked that place on accident or was it on purpose? Yeah, probably on purpose, right? Do you think God knew who these sojourners and outsiders were in that region? Who would choose to join him and his people? Do you think he knew them ahead of time? Or was he surprised? Oh, wow, I didn't expect that one. Wow. Well, I didn't expect someone with that kind of haircut to join God's people. That's strange. Do you think the presence of these spiritual immigrants was a surprise to heaven? Hey, guys, these sinners repented. What? The fact of the matter is these stories of sojourners and strangers joining with God's people is not exclusive to the Old Testament. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 19. This is the command. Love the sojourner. Therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. This is another place where it is listed. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, 19. Look what Paul says. You are no longer strangers and what? Sojourners. Do you see the connection here? Paul says this. You are no longer strangers and sojourners, but fellow citizens with the saints. Fellow citizens with the saints. Members of the household of God. 
There's an undeniable connection between Ephesians and Joshua chapter 8. There's an undeniable connection between judgment and mercy being present in both places. And just like Israel at Mount Ebal and the early first century church, we were all and today are commanded to welcome spiritual immigrants and strangers. And Jesus commands us, listen to me, church. Jesus commands us to intentionally move over, make space, provide an open seat, and to live and worship alongside of these strangers who join us. We are not called to have our cliques and our closed groups. We are called to be a people of God. In fact, the diversity that God has created in the global church is far greater than the diversity we saw at Mount Ebal. It doesn't cancel out what was going in the Old Testament. It takes it and expands it even more. This is what God does. He unites people with very little in common, with unique backgrounds and unique experiences and unique histories into a powerful, singular purpose. We need to be a community like the one on Mount Ebal and like the one that I told you about on Fort Jackson who welcomes strangers through the cross. This precious, miraculous unity is what we call around here the grace life. And it is only possible through the power of the gospel, both its blessings and its curse. See, Following Jesus requires that the doors for our covenant community be wide open to anyone who is willing to believe in the gospel of our Jesus. The grace lifestyle that we embrace should be one that is warm and welcoming and inviting to strangers, immigrants, and sojourners who are hungry for spiritual redemption, restoration, and transformation. It's crucial. It is crucial that grace life reflects God's heart for every sojourner in our region. Because God is calling them out of darkness into life. First Peter chapter two. Verse 10. Once you were not a people. But now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy. But now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. You see the blessing and the cursing? Follower of Jesus, you were once a sojourner, a spiritual immigrant who heard the story of God's love for his people You heard the gospel and you repented and you were by the power of the spirit transformed into one of God's chosen people. You were made part of his royal priesthood, his holy nation. And anyone who believes the gospel and wants to join our covenant community, you are welcomed into God's family. But listen. Not just anyone can join our covenant community. It is reserved 
for those who embrace what Jesus has done. He is the only way to the Father. He said that. Either you believe him or you don't. And there are churches who teach that we should allow anyone to join our family no matter what they believe. Now, we will show warm, loving hospitality to those who don't believe in Jesus as we do. We will. However, if you are here and you want to be fully integrated into our covenant family, embracing the gospel of mercy and grace and forgiveness through the work of Christ on the cross is essential. We will not compromise this foundation for our easy growth or your comfort. And just like Joshua on Mount Ebal, when we proclaim the gospel, we do proclaim its blessings, but also the curse for those who don't believe. Because Jesus did. And while refusing to join with God's covenant family does expose you to the risk of judgment, stranger, if you're here today, do not be nervous and let me tell you why. Just like at Mount Ebal, God isn't shocked or surprised that you're here worshiping with us in this place today. He planned it a long time ago. And even though, this is why I love this part of covenant theology, even though you were once far off by your choice and by your desire, he has brought you near to his people. By his design, he has intended for you to be here right now and the enemy could do nothing to stop it. We call that irresistible grace. In fact... Just as God orchestrated the worship service on Mount Ebal and all those who attended, he does the same each time we worship at Mount Lockwood Ridge. Each time. That's why Sunday is such a special moment to gather in community that we should never forsake, as Paul said some do. God fills this place with people he has known before the foundation of the world, before Grace Life was even a church. He calls us together through his spirit each time we meet, and he turns strangers into a worshiping family of God that loves one another relentlessly. If you're a sojourner today, if you're a stranger, a spiritual immigrant today, let me be clear to you what the invitation is. Through the gospel, Jesus is calling you to leave your old life and join this royal priesthood to become a part of God's chosen nation, of God's people. And if you can hear that call, there is room for you at Grace Life, no matter where you came from or what your past is. You are welcome to worship together with us and we will fully make you a part of our family. We will see examples of that next week that are just so powerful, you're just gonna love them. Amen? Amen. Dear Jesus, thank you that when we were sojourners and strangers who were far off by your sovereign grace and by your sovereign love, you brought us near.
Just like you did those sojourners at Mount Ebal who had initially no desire to follow you and no desire to worship you, but by your spirit, you let them hear the Old Testament gospel and you gave them ears to hear and you saved them and they became a part of your covenant. Lord, we're so thankful that being able to be a part of your people is not based upon some list of spiritual checklist do's and don'ts and performance that we have to do because we would never measure up. We're so thankful that it's based upon what you did on the cross when you died for us and resurrected and conquered death. Lord, we're blown away by the fact that you plan each one of these worship services together way ahead of time and the people that need to be here are here. Lord, there are some here today, I don't know who they are, but you do. You are calling them to be a part of your covenant family. And for us at Grace Life, Lord, give us the humility, the willingness, and the love to be able to welcome anyone and everyone who wants to embrace you as Savior the way you have enabled us to do. Lord, thank you that you have called us out of our old life and given us a new one through the power of the precious blood of the Lamb. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. As sojourners and immigrants, amen.